This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Welcome to another interview coming up shortly, and today is with Paul McGowan. He is an artist, and the title for today is Meme Wars, the Graffiti of the Internet, or how memes have become the new art for the 21st century. Uh, Paul, very renowned artist, actually for three years, he was the artist in residence of the Eden Project, which is a a phenomenal place down the southwest of England, um, uh, probably the largest greenhouse in the UK. Have a look at it, Eden Project. He was the artist in residence. What a venue to have your art displayed. But because of his views, because he supported Brexit, he found himself punished, found himself cancelled, and found himself being arrested many times by the police simply because of his artwork. And one of those arrests, he talks about his hand being so badly damaged uh, by the police that he is now great difficulty in doing art. Fascinating story, great background, great for him to give us the insights on kind of the new corporate identity, dark money of art, and how it's not just about expressing yourself, but it is about making money, generating money for corporations. So you'll love this interview with Paul McGowan. Good evening, Hearts of Oak. Uh, I'm going to start just by reading some thoughts from Paul. And then we're going to expand on it. So let's start with that. Memes are the only true art form of the 21st century. They are the graffiti of the internet. Street graffiti is corporate. It works with dark money. It's boring and mostly decorative, as opposed to memes, which are a very powerful political art form. And we have the high ground because the left can't make meme their authoritarian ideology prevents them from being effective on the political landscape. Their language censors themselves in the same way the me- their media allies censor us. This is the reason why woke comedy isn't funny. The left have a far better ground game, but we have a far better internet game. In 2015, the British won the Brexit war with political memes, and that's why the EU tried to ban them in 2016. Trump had an army of meme lords that had his back, and the left cried and attempted to blame it on a handful of crap Russian meme farms. It was a fear of this political art form that drove the censorship that's that's been thrust upon us all today. Getter is the only relevant free speech platform in the world today. So this is my shout out to Jason Miller. Build me a section on Getter and I will rebuild the great troll army of 2015 and 2016. If you don't, conservatives will lose another four years of the Democrats will break the back of America and destroy the West. Paul, I love those thoughts, and there's a lot to open up and expand on. Um, obviously, the, the links to you are on the, the screen there, and they'll be in the description, at Paul McGowan on Getter. But do you want to open that up? You start right at the beginning with memes. Do you want to maybe start there and open that on why your thoughts are there so important? Well, 
there's a lot of frustrated people in the world without a voice. And when I first started making memes, I was I was in hospital and um, I couldn't use my hands much. I had my phone. I started putting them together and sending them out. And then through that, I met loads of other people that were working with memes. So the artists I knew that were using memes, we started to make small groups and we called them control groups. And where we go in there, we discuss what we wanted to achieve politically, find a subject. It, this back then, it was just, I was working with just trained artists, either classically trained or, or basically contemporary art trained. And the reason why we had to look away and self-aware in groups, because you, it's really hard to be right wing now in the art world. So we'd call those control groups. So we'd, we'd make all our means, we'd work together. We'd, um, it wasn't like they were pieces of work that um, you were putting in galleries. They were something we did on the side. But I did end up, people did end up moving them into galleries but in a very different way. But um, then we'd put over to a group of people which we called the patrol group. And these were people that were all really talented on the internet and they could build, they just had a way. They could, they could just start a group and by the end of a week, they've got 15,000 people in it. You know, so they were just brilliant, just building groups, which none of us could because um, we're not really that internet savvy and we only use it to, to keep in contact. Then we'd have our main groups, which were, which we'd all worked really hard for years to, Build, our, my British contemporary art group and we had tens and tens of thousands of people we all collaborated and sent our clients there so what would happen is we could post our work in there and it would go to people that actually bought artwork um, or bands or, or people that go to shows and it was really it took a long time to build those groups and build up those numbers so what happened at the beginning is they would take down our control groups and just one day we'd go in there and we'd go to go in there and say this group has been deleted or we'd get a message. After a while, they stopped even sending us a message. They just, we'd go there and we'd gone. So we'd restart another group and they, we'd just restart groups so fast, they'd take them down so fast. But there's only a small amount of people in those groups. So it, it was very, very easy. There's nothing to really lose. You know? And in the end, we started our being on platforms like Signal and, um, oh, what's the other one? Telegram. Oh, no, not Telegram. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, all these different little groups, but they were disjointed because we had to keep swapping between platforms and that was annoying. Um, when, once we was off there with the control groups, then they took the patrol groups down with, with people that were really talented and then we re rebuilt them in um, places that are like Signal, basically, where you could be totally private. Um, when that didn't stop us, <laughs> once that didn't stop the dispersal of memes, um, then they took down the main groups where we was posting them to and they took years and years to build and that really affected people's income because people have got families, people have got children and all of a sudden, especially during the pandemic, everything was shut down. There was no galleries open. It was their only means of income. That was it. And then everyone lost their means of income. You know, it was like, um, it was like devastating for some people. So some people had... Some people soldiered on, just in a good position, but most people said, I just can't afford to carry on. I can't afford to feed my children. I can't, I'm struggling as it is. And these were people only a few years ago, um, they were still driving nice cars, they hadn't sold their cars, they hadn't done anything. You know? So they, they were, their life was going forward and then they were stuck and then it's going backward. And so we, we ended up with all these 
incredible technical problems brought by the, the actual platforms. And then the cancellation of our main groups on top, that totally took our finances away. So we had to think, what are we going to do about it? So we, we all went to Getter, but there's no group system. You can't really have a platform. You can't communicate on there. So we couldn't mobilize. And, and so we had the same problem with what we had when they're taking down control groups, patrol groups, and it was all disjointed still. So it was like, um, this is becoming really difficult, really time consuming. And also people are scared. Like I've had like, I've lost so many groups. It's, it's just unbelievable. It, it took years. Well, well, we've been on social media for like 12, 13 years. It took 12, 13 years for me to build them. And everything's gone. So we ended up with, the, we, we ended up, losing pro probably three quarters of our contrib our contributors you know our content creators um but also as well when we originally started off as groups of artists what we realized as we went on we've noticed certain people were making just just phenomenal means and we're saying look come and join our control groups and we we think right presume they were artists and then we realized that a lot of them were farmers they were just farmers and they were so frustrated, they haven't had a voice, they've got a lonely, isolated world. Their, their communities are being really attacked and they were frustrated. And they, that frustration come out in, in their artwork, basically. Well, it means artwork, isn't it? Well, everything I put together, I consider artwork. And um, it means remind me of an old artist called Joseph Kossuth. And then when I see Joseph Kossuth, I just think, God, that was really like the beginning of memes, really, way back in the 70s, 80s, you know? Um, so yeah, so we noticed that a lot of these content creators that were absolutely fantastic across the internet, they weren't just they weren't artists making artwork. They were literally everyday people that felt they didn't have a voice. But they wouldn't just be everyday people from the working class. Some of them were doctors. Some of them were pilots. So I've got a pilot in one of my groups that is just absolutely phenomenal. Me, maker. I've never been to art school. Everything just flies on a personal plane. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, loads of different people from loads of walks of life, and um, they all get involved. And that, and then I realised that's the danger. That's the danger. It's not artists, mate. We're the least important people because we, it's, it's the every normal person from all walks of life, doctors, nurses, everyone. They were all making memes of their frustration, and the, the memes that tended to be good, they weren't the left wing memes. The left wing memes, I look at them and I just think. My God, your virtue signaling over a map, you know? What the, how do you get that virtue signal? And they they weren't funny and they weren't um and they were dull and they were boring. And it was it was the people that were on the right that were making all the good content. And that's why that's why the saying come up, and it's true, the left can't mean. They just can't. Because their own ideology has restricted them so much they can't be funny. It's like woke comedy. You watch woke comedy and you'll sit there and you'll think, what? The, the audience are pretending to laugh. They are pretending and you can hear the pretense in it. So it's just not funny. You know, you well, know that's why you see Dave Chappelle and look how funny it is. People love it. And they try and put him down. They put him down. The more they pull him down, the bigger he gets. And that's the way it is. You know? And that's the fight back. And that's what we've got to do. Can I ask, because the left seem to be what they put out seems to be aggressive abusive angry where often what the right put out seems to be more clever and more subtle um is that a fair distinction 
There's more satire used on the right. The left is, they've just got rid of satire because they think that's offensive. Even like controversy is not used on the left at all because um, they're scared of offending everybody. So they are just not, they're not entertaining. You look at those, their memes, you just think that is just absolutely, my, I'd be disappointed if my six-year-old son did it, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, they're just not entertaining at all on any level. I remember um, I did a, when I lost, I lost the use of my hand, basically, and I had a lot of surgery. And when I was sitting there, I was trying to come to terms with having a disability. I thought, oh, oh I'm going to go forward. I'm an artist. I lost my right hand. I'm right-handed. Um, so I sat there and I made a load of disabled memes just to try, uh, just to laugh my way through it. And I think the right does that all the time. They'll laugh at themselves, they'll laugh at everything. And I made one meme and it was called, it was the wheelchair, the wheelchair design on the LGBT flag. It's, I think it was just the LGBT flag back then because I made it quite a long time ago. And the wheelchair, trans over it and it said, um, some fruits were born to be vegetables. And I thought that was hilarious. Everyone loved it. <laughs> Everyone loved it. And then just the, the outrage was absolutely unbelievable. And I'm going, like, it's just a joke. It's like, how dare you take this out of the disabled? I said, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. What do you mean? You know, that's what people do. You get through things using humour. But now, well, you're not allowed to get, you're not allowed to laugh at anything, you know? But you're allowed to defend a paedophile you're allowed to say oh mate maps are brilliant all over I, I, you know elon musk come back and i thought i'm going to get my twitter back loads of people got them back i didn't <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get my back and matter of fact even my um alt account has now been suspended twice and now it's been suspended full time i don't even know i only i've hardly used it so somehow they get through my vpn they can find me, and it's terrible. Even my PR, the lovely Jenny Roberts, um, yep. she's tried to make accounts for me on pl platforms like Facebook, and she just can't get through it, can't get through it. As soon as you connect up and it goes to me, I say it's gone. And also, with all accounts, when they've got a bot on your ass, um, the problem is, is that bot learns the writing style you've got, and it starts matching everything up, and you can't get through it for very long because it's really hard to constantly concentrate, saying I'm the different person, write like a different person. Everything has to be different, and it's become so hard now because the technology is so sophisticated. They're using to take us down, but you will notice this: it's only the right that's taken down. Oh no! Not no. I will say that I do know left-wing people that are totally against what's going on, but they are quite scared to talk out. But some do talk out, and um, they do get taken down as well. But they are the ones that don't are not going along with everything. Like people, even like people like Jimmy Dore gets taken down. He gets taken down. And I and you know, but Glenn Greenwald gets taken. These are all left-wing people. Matt Taibbi, you know, they get taken down, and. Um, they are on the left, you know, but they just can't go along with it. But a lot of people on the left are so scared to be cancelled. They are so scared to everyone turn around and vilify them. They've got no backbone, no spine, you know, and they've just got a man up, basically. They've got a man up because they're turning the world into shit. And it's like, let me give you an example of how 
I keep going on to people about all the time how important American politics are to British people. Right, Joe Biden gets into office. The first thing Boris Johnson does is go totally woke. He's gone totally woke. He becomes, starts using terms like masculine, um, masculine toxic, well, so um, toxic masculinity. That's it. And I'm just thinking, ah, oh, this is literally coinciding with Biden coming into office. <laughs> like, ah, oh, what a, what a kiss ass. And then the first thing that happened, well, not the first thing, but three, four months into Biden's presidency, all the anti-war groups start coming down. Boom, boom, boom. Loads of them is going on. You can there's videos made about on YouTube. Jimmy Dore went on on about it. So I knew there was a purpose to this, but I knew what the purpose was because I knew what it was in 2016 when when they, when they were trying to get Hillary in. Because you, yeah. Ukraine is really Hillary Clinton's war. That's what they wanted that for Hillary Clinton. So I knew second Biden got in, boom, Ukraine. And I said it everywhere, and then boom, look what happened. And that is just the biggest hole of dark money on the planet. Ukraine's always been the most corrupt country on the planet. Ukraine makes Africa look like, the African continent, look like um, a kindergarten. It's so corrupt. It's full of Nazis. Absolutely, it's a Nazi country. The, the people that have done articles about how... No, I mean publication, but even like the BBC about the Nazification of Ukraine, totally reversed their narrative, totally reversed their narrative, and then said it's not true. And they've been saying it for since, well, they've been saying it for over a decade, over a decade. And so I just can't understand why the left will not wake up to this. They are, they will not wake up to it. And I would say, I'd say about sixty percent of the right have woken up to it. There is a, a far older um right wing or or more mainstream side of right and they just they they're non-political they don't know what's going on and they watch the bbc or they watch cnn and they take that as verbatim you know and it's and that's not um we know that's not how the world works you know T tell us about because you started off with memes which is using art with an explicit message as propaganda, as changing opinion, as moving the public agenda. That's a world away from, I guess, traditionally what many, uh, certainly what I would think, what many think of art. We think art is as more neutral, as putting forward how you feel as opposed to what you want. Uh, tell us about because that's, I guess, what you're doing now is a world away from how you started as an artist. I've always been honest. In 2010, right police were raiding galleries and arresting me, you know, with my artwork and about my artwork. Things that, um, never forget, right? the people that broke my hand and did this to my hand were the police, you know. So 21 stop and searches in just over four years. So I've always been an anti-establishment figure. I've all, even within the climate industry, because I'm an environmentalist, I will be till the day I die, but I do not believe in CO2 climate change at all. Right? Even in 2006, 2007, when they labelled CO2 a pollutant, the whole of the climate industry were like, um, well, it wasn't the climate industry then, it was environmentalism. Environmentalists were like, what? That's, that's produced abundantly in nature. I mean, how can we, that's like defining nature as being a pollutant and all every creature produces it. It comes out the soil, insects, it's just, you can't, net zero is a total impossibility. It's a total impossibility. And um, they are taking all our money, but taxes everywhere. All this money is disappearing to the nefarious organisations. And we don't know what they're doing with it. 
And I can tell you what they're doing it, apart from putting it in their pockets. I think they're trying to build, a lot of that's going to the industrial military complex, and I think they're building you know, weather control machines as a weapon. That's what I think they're doing. And a lot of people think like, but a lot of environmentalists will just shut up over this because they are scared of losing their jobs, not getting their contracts renewed. Because a lot of environmentalism is done on contracts, like model makers, like, you know, sort of COVID modeling. You know how terrible, how ridiculously out that was. The climate models are the same. No, I, I think I think the whole COVID debate is actually I've been blown away by some of the memes uh, regularly that I've seen, and I think certainly as I have viewed it, uh, I think memes have really come in to their own on challenging what the government line is, um, and I've it, it's been amazing with from so many people, and it does seem like an army of artists are actually using that much more powerfully than ever before. I well. I made this meme, which was, um, it was the Death Star with the EU stars around it. And um, I was asked, originally, I just come into my mind like that. And I was asked to do two um, Brexit shows. And I sent that off. And they went back and we said, we don't understand it. Like the gallery's replied, said, we don't understand it. And I was going, well, are you saying the EU is the evil empire. So that's exactly what I'm saying. And they're going, but you're siding with the Nazis. I'm going, what are you want about? They are the Nazis. Half the people who run it come from Nazi families. You know, yeah. their whole heritage were Nazis. You know, they are the Nazis. You know, they are they are the establishment. They are the industrial military complex. They are everything that's the problem in this world. The EU represents. So those galleries said not just not registered rejected me, but they sent all my work back, and even the Sydneyans I've been working under for years back, which I just laughed at, because back then, when that happened, I had my platform still. But anyway, I decided to release that as a piece of artwork, but because I made it as me, I could only blow it up to about that big. So I made a run of 100 of them, and they sold out in two days. It's one of the fastest runs I've ever had, right? Now, this is what really was weird about it. Now, you would have thought that would have been bought by leavers, yeah? People that wanted to leave. Well, the majority of people that bought that were Remainers, and they thought, Remain or Star Wars, which is the most important. And they went Star Wars, and they've got on the room, on their, the walls of their houses, they are Remainers, and they've got to leave Death Star on the walls of their houses. So most of those people did not actually look into any details, didn't look into the EU, they just listened to the tele, the idiot box. That's all I listen to. Right? Uh, tell us about you. You talked about the police coming to arrest, and you talked about the stop and searches, the damage has been done to you. Uh, tell us about that and what what it is, kind of how you've spoken that's challenged that and caused about. Was it Brexit or has it been other things? What what started with the police was I made a series. Well, bombs are a massive part of being blown up. It was a massive. Thing that was going on especially around when i made that around 2005 i did a whole series of bombs um and one of the pieces it's physically built it's been on a cover of a book in in france it'd been out it'd been in the press in london it pre it'd been announced it was going to london as part of a show and it'd been in the front window of a gallery for at least three days before they raided it and basically, the police, his excuse was, uh, they said an elderly lady called 
something. But basically, they swatted me. Somebody swatted me. But I don't think they did. I think the police did that for PR. I think it had just come out that um, there was... um, there was, remember the London bus bombs? There was a phone call beforehand, and I think there was some debate over it, and it was ignored. Yep. So this is why I think the, the police made that up. It was in the middle of three days. They parked two big white vans full of coppers outside. If they thought that was a bomb in the window, they would have broke straight in for the bomb straw. They're all armed with machine guns. They come along with the BBC. <laughs> so the BBC. So my art dealer rings me up. He goes, Paul, Paul. You've got to get down here. We're being raided by armed riot squad. It's everyone's ever. It's just chaos. Um, they've shut down the street. It's all absolute. Then the BBC start putting out bulletins that I'm wanted, and I've got to hand myself in as a terrorist. And the police are saying the same. I didn't believe them. I just thought they were winding me up. And I'm laying in my hotel room, and I remember I only brought one pair of socks with me. And um, I'd run a day for it and I'd wash them. And I had the hotel hairdryer with the sock over it trying to dry them out. And I'm talking to my dealer at the same time. And um, I didn't take it seriously. But when I walked into the gallery, I realised it was. Because they made, there was a big, the piece was called Bad Ladder. And they had a poster with it on. And the police made them get a marker pen, get the, put the poster in the window, draw a line to the bomb like that, and say, this isn't a real bomb. <laughs> How ridiculous that is if people thought it was a real bomb. Now, do the police raid James Bond sets? No, they don't. They're full of um, fake bombs. Any movie set, any time, that's what art galleries are. They're just an extension of a, they're just another set, you know? Because it's, it's all like, um, you know, it's a set-up room. It's exactly the same as doing a movie set. You're just, you're just hanging stuff, you know? So then they said, I have to, any drawings I do that look like it's made by a bomb, or every time I transport it, I have to rig up the police and let them know beforehand. But I didn't do that. I decided I'm not, you know, I thought, oh, I'm not going to do that because it's asking for trouble. I'm just not going to, I've sold that series. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I was put on a list. And I think, I, can't, I think they're called NPR list. I can't remember what they're called. But it's every time your number plate gets detected, it alerts all the police cars in the area. So I started getting stop and searches, constant time, and what's going on, what's going on. Some, most policemen will go through your car, take it all out, and they're perfectly polite and they were nice. But every now and then you'd get that nasty policeman that wanted you. Because um, there's a lot of horrible policemen out there, and there's a lot of good, great ones. I'm a support blue person, but I know there's a lot of bad police because I've had that experience. I, I know because I've never had any real experience with police before that. Um, yeah, so. I was on this list and it, it got to the point where well, I, was, I was with a client one day and was driving through Kingston and I'd already been stop and searched twice in that day, right? I'd once um, in the countryside driving up to London and once in, um, in one of the motorway service, service stations. And they'd always come over and some of them would go, all right, Paul, they'd know to see, you know, to try and catch me out if I didn't know the name Paul and it's some, some sort of something nefarious was going on. And yeah, basically, um, it got to the point in Kingston, I got a client in the car and I didn't drink at all back then. And every time they stopped and searched me, no matter what time of day it was, they'd always breast test me on the hope I'd be over. And um, I, this, this, my client in the car, her name was Nina Carmichael, she's only tiny. And I was driving past it, I started noticing all these police cars with a lot of police in them. I'm thinking that parked up. I'm thinking this is weird. And then I started hearing sirens going from everywhere. And I turned around and said, Nina, 
be prepared, something's going to happen. She's going, oh, it's all right. And she was a bit drunk. She drunk. She was really small. I don't think they could see her in there. And um, before I knew it, they were closing in, closing in. I was going, prepare yourself, Nia, prepare yourself, Nia. And cars come across from everywhere. Six or seven police cars blocked off all the road like about probably 15 to 20 police jump out. They get me, got me out of the car, breath test me as usual. And when I, when I passed the breath test, I said, look, I keep telling you, I don't drink, I don't drink. And the other police were going, do you want to try our machine in case it's your battery? It could be your battery. And the guy's going, no, no, because he knew, they knew I was drinking. So they had to let me go. And I'm thinking, oh, this is getting too much. He's getting too much. And I was driving back. I'd been to see my girlfriend in concert in London. She was seeing, and um, Dominicola, Oliver. And I was driving back, and it was late one night. It was about one o'clock in the morning. And the police stopped me and said, you were driving without your headlights on. Not the normal way. They never usually say something like that. And I went, that's impossible. So it's a brand spanking new car and you can't even drive it in the day without the headlights on. I went, see? And I turned the key and the headlights come on, boom, straight away. He went mental, absolutely mental. Opened the car door, dragged me out, threw me up against the side. And said, I arrested you for um, driving out your headlights on and that. And he handcuffed me. And I previously said, be careful of my hands because I've sprained it. I've fallen over. And um, I pushed my hand back and I'd done an x-ray and he said, no breaks or fractures. And I said, well, no, you've got to wait a time, go and see a specialist. And I told him and he did it anyway. And he cuffed me. And as he cuffed me, um, my whole hand collapsed by breaking all of this. All that's been removed. All that was amputated. All that bone was removed. And I'm going, oh, no, it's not. I'll trust you. You've broken my hand. You've broken my hand. And he threw me in the car anyway. And he left me face down laying on, on the back seat with my hands behind my back. I couldn't move. I was in agony. Um, and then he left me there for 15 minutes while I searched my car. Then they pulled me out. Um, no, no, no. What happened next is the younger police officer with him jumped into the back seat. And then he said that they've been single locked. If you move, they'll carry on getting tighter. And he loosened them, then double locked them. So they wouldn't close in on my wrist anymore. But, but it's too late by then. The damage is, yeah. is done. It's done. So we get to the police station, put me in a cell, and then they come up with these other charges. Um, suspe suspicious white powder. It was it was caffeine. You could buy it in boots, basically. Caffeine tablets. No charges. And then they, they come back after that, and they found, they said they found a tiny speck. And when I say speck, if you saw a picture of it, it could have been anything. It was so tiny, it was like this big. And they said it was cannabis. So they put me on bail and they, they didn't charge me because it wasn't really, they gave me a caution, I think, for cannabis possession. Then my, I went to my sister, I said, look, get, get the camera footage, get the lock. They turned around and said, all the body cams were malfunctioned, apart from the time when they were loosed in my wrist. The whole of the rest, everything, all their body cams malfunctioned, which was just a lovely slide. And um, yeah, so... I just ended up in this terrible situation. Then I had um, six surgeries on my hand, years, years in hospital, weren't being able to work. It was an absolute nightmare. And now I'm waiting on technology to, to pick me up. But all those years I was in hospital, I didn't release any artwork. So I've got like two shows I've never released, which I'm going to release. And I can't talk about those shows because I think I've got to talk about one of them um, with Gareth Ike um, on the 25th. I think I've got... Exclusively give that to him. I think I'm not quite sure. I haven't haven't spoken to Jenny about that, but um, Jenny will tell me what I've got to speak because I've got quite a few stories. 
And um, and I, I, I ended up really quite depressed because I'd had all my platforms taken away. I'd had everything. I had no voice. I was in the pub with my cousin, Peter Sullivan, and he, he gave me a bollock and he goes, Paul, what are you doing? You're not like this. You've got to get out. Fight back, fight back, fight back. And then Jenny Roberts um, called me and she goes, Paul, this ain't going to happen. Get off your ass. You're going to go back into work. You're going to do a load of interviews. We're going to show those old, we're going to show your old work. We're going to do a launch night at Tramps, at Tramp. And she goes, you're coming back. Just get back to work. And um, I said, but I can't work because my hand. She goes, well, you can at least talk and do your shows and tell your stories because you've got a lot of them. Yep. And, um, and go out there because you, you're cancelled. You tell them about being cancelled. So I went, <sighs> so she come down to see me. Um, she talked about it. I said, can we start in October? She goes, no, starting now. We're doing it now. And that's it. And so we started. So now I'm doing the shows. And then the artwork's already done. Two complete shows. But um, I just haven't been able to do anything because all, the, all but two of the galleries I've worked with, even the ones under pseudonyms, removed everything. But, um, you know, but two, two galleries kept stories up about me and kept me on their websites. That was um, London West Bank and um, Simon's Gallery in um, Leamington Spa, which is called um, Reload. And they kept me on their websites. And so I'll always be loyal to them for that. And um, big shout out to Paul Dizzy Saunders and Paul Simon. Uh, you know, both their galleries, fantastic galleries. I've had great fun working with them. Um, but yeah, so I'm coming back. Going to release the two shows I haven't done. I've never released. And um, and then we. I'm hoping that technology is going to catch us up because I've been looking through a lot of technology, and we're going to. I'm going to start making tech art. But I've still got another operation to go for. It's a big one. So. It's going to be put off for quite a while. I'm not going to be working for quite a while, but um, but we we're doing the groundwork now. What the, the difficulty of of artists putting out their work if they are perceived to be on the right is that simply that the whole art world is so so woke and so left? Is that the the difficulty that we are all facing? We are all facing that, but this is this is what's even worse. The ones that aren't are going along with it. And they've rung me up before and say, Paul, could you calm down on that? It's becoming a real problem, real problem. It's, you know, clients, you know, people don't like it. I'm saying, but it's just the truth. I can't, I can't, I can't lie. Because then I'm, I've got to say the truth. I mean, whereas you can't lie and be an artist. It's just, what's the point? You know, if your work's based on a lie, I mean, there's a lot of work out there based on a lie being sold and like in a hundred years time it won't even matter anyway because historians are going to be looking at memes they're not going to be looking at this what the madness of the left is just going to be reflected if, if they unless they win madness on the left is going to be like my god they were supporting pedophiles my god what number what cutting little children's penises off you know it's going to be like bizarre but um a lot a lot of the left-wing people are going along with it because they're scared they're scared to speak out well but you what you I, what we need is a couple of, I mean, tell what we need is an Eden project all over the place, like a venues like that. But uh, this is a, a world around, and the, what you talked about with the, the police coming in, having an exhibition on bombs and stepladders and things, that was all around that time in the Eden project, which was very high profile. 2010 council culture started to come around and the authoritarian nature of our world was around 2010, I noticed it. But, um, yeah, it's um, I I think that I think 
I think the tide's turning. And I, I, I can't, but we need to be able to organize our internet game. And that is on Jason Miller's shoulders because Jason's a conservative, right? I've, I've met him at a party briefly, didn't get any time to, didn't get much time to speak to him, but he needs to get his finger out and he needs to, he needs to be able to put in a section on Getter where all these people can actually organize. They can get together in a group because you can't group Getter, you need to have that, it's really important. And Jason Miller, build us a group, and I'll, build, I'll bring back the great troll armies of 215 and 216. We're all in contact, but we're all disjointed, we cannot organize. We need that back because without that, our internet game's weak. We need a strong internet game because we'll never be able to organize like the left wing on the ground. Because the left wing have been organizing like that on the ground for like for 100 years, <laughs> we, we cannot. We cannot match their game. Conservatives are not like that. Libertarians will. Libertarians will, you know, they're like bulldogs. Man. But um, conservatives are conservative. That's why they're called conservatives. They're never going to have a strong ground game. They're never going to have a strong ground game. They're, but on the internet, they're brilliant. They yeah. rock on the internet. No, I think I, what what Getter have done, what just done, is is fantastic, and they've really carved out a niche where there is full free speech. I think whatever happens on Twitter, the Getter will continue to grow and and have, have oh, set yeah. something apart. Um, but you're, you so, uh, but pe people can find you on Getter. Talk about that because that's where they can well, find you on social media, and that's where you're free to speak. I've I've only just gone on to Getter. Um, Jenny Roberts sorted it out. Um, Jenny sorts so everything out. I haven't really started using Getter yet because um, yeah. because I can't I, I can't organise on there because I can't get control of my people. I can't bring them into a group, and that's really different. And when you're an activist, and I'm an activist, you need to be able to organise. And we are all still just disjointed on on all these different platforms, you know. And we just need to have our groups back. Because that's the only way you can organise. And the left wing, remember, they control all the social media. They've all yeah. got their groups, and they've got tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of platforms. We have zero, zero. So now, if this carries on the way it is, they will start winning on the internet. And if they start winning on the internet, they start winning the information war. It's over. It's over. You might as well just throw conservatism into the bin. But you can't get through to. The actual conservatives are so mild mannered as people, they just don't grasp it. They don't, because they don't grasp that activism at all. Now, I'm really a libertarian, I'm a conservative libertarian. Most of the farmers are libertarians. <laughs> They've started off as conservative, Republicans or conservatives, you know, but they, now their industry is so under, under attack. And they've got these quotas, they've been made to rip rocks out. Where I live in the country, I used to drive through lush green fields, but Greenbelt, up totally protected land. And it's all got housing, horrible housing estates being built on it. Absolutely yeah. ugly. You know, um, and that has been protected for years and years and years. You cannot be an environmentalist and agree with mass migration into Britain. We're too small a country. We've got, we've got one of the most overpopulated spaces on earth. You cannot take away all the hedgerows for housing estates. You cannot do it. The two things are contradictory. You know, we've taken enough of this land already. There's 60, 
five million of us here, probably 75 million. And we are just encroaching on nature constantly all the time. And the people in cities are going, build on it, build on it. And you're going, you're also meant to be, you're also tending to be green. You can't, it's a contradiction that can't be, you can't, it can't be settled that way. It has to, one or the other, you can't have it both, you know? Can I ask you one thing, which at the very beginning uh, talked about, you said about a uh, ton about memes. They're the 21st century. They're the graffiti of the internet. Street graffiti is corporate IT works with dark money. I mean, the, let us touch on that kind of financial side of of what happens, because, again, people don't necessarily think of ours in finance, but it is a commodity. There is a lot of money there. Yeah. And you talked about corporate finance. Yeah. Well, you look at a lot of corporations that are not particularly good corporations. They haven't got good reputations. And loads of graph artists are putting giant murals on their buildings, really happy decorative murals. And it sort of changes the image of a company. Now, if, if, a, if some of these companies ask me to do anything for them, I just turn around and say straight away, no, nope, I've never worked with you, never worked with you, never worked with you. But, you know, money makes people weak. You know, it's never really got to me, but I'm I'm in a position where I'm solvent. I own my properties. I've I've got the financial worries. My income's crap now, but I I don't have mortgages to pay and things like that. So, and my most of my old one of my children have, have grown up and left. They've all left home apart from my little boy. So, I'm not in the position that a 30 year old man with three children and a wife is trying to support as an artist. The ones his wife's saying because the childcare costs of three children is higher than what his wife's going to go and earn. So that's the, so they are caught. They, but I just could not, I could not work for some of those corporations. I mean, if the industrial military complex went or the, the industrial pharmaceutical complex said, um, paint giant murals on our buildings, let's do an open competition. Literally every graph artist that was to do giant murals would just apply for it. And it's just it's just money, 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 money. And at some point you've got to have some principles in life, you know? Um can I do, can we just finish off with with you and how moving forward uh you talk about shows coming out and um and for for you as an artist that's restricted um, is it that you have to put your own events on? Uh, I mean, when people go to the website, can they buy it directly? How how do you move forward as an artist? Well, tides are changing. And some more galleries have suddenly, since I've gone out there and started talking about this, have contacted me. And they're getting a bit braver now. Mm. Um, so I think things are going to change. But the trouble is, I will never forgive the ones that sent work back, the ones that said, oh, my God, you're on the side of the fascists. You know, it just, I'm never going to forgive them. I'm never going to give them any bit of work ever again. I'm, I'm not going to go on about them, but they're never, getting, they're never going to make a penny out of me again, that's for sure. You know? Or any organisation that suddenly dropped me, used to bring me stuff all the time, <laughs> any charity that I used, because I used to work for it. If you look, I worked for a lot of charities for a lot of years, donating, making them huge amounts of money. Like, and... Not one of them rung me since I voted Brexit. Because <laughs> I was really loud on Brexit, you know? Do, do you know, it's, like, it's, it's funny, like, um, I'm, I'm good friends with Fred Fairbrass, and um, I used to know Fred from chatting about artwork. And I didn't realise, because I, 
I'm my music taste is more like Captain Beefheart, things like that. But and um, I never knew Fred was at all. And I used to get on with him for ages and ages and ages. And um, we talked about art. He's going to come down the show. And I said, he goes, maybe we can do a guitar for us. I went, yeah, yeah, lovely. I love that. And then um, then I saw him in a video with Richard. I went, oh my God, Fred and Richard Fairbro. Oh my God, yeah, they're right, said Fred. Um, yeah, I, I won't tell you what it was, but I once I had in my um, in my client list I had an F and R Fairbrass, and I thought once I realised it, I thought, oh, that must be Fred and Richard. They must have bought something off me months before. So I sent them something, but it was actually a hardware store, <laughs> and I sent them this gift to this hardware store, and they rang up and stopped, thanked me, and I thought, who the hell is this? And then I then I rang, I contacted Fred. I went, Fred, have I, have I sent you something? And he went, no. And I went, oh God. Oh. <laughs> and I, like, I sent him cannabis oil, but I mean, you know, so some hardware store got bought cannabis oil. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. Yeah. To the chat. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, Paul, I think it, um, I think we'll draw to uh, to a close, um, and I know that Pete. Uh, as usual, Getter, and I'm sure it's on the agenda for Jason and Getter to have the groups. I agree it would be something that's excellent. And I know they are continually developing and adding and tweaking the website and the can app. Um, something? Yep. Can I quickly say something? Of course. 2022, like the midterm elections, Red Wave wasn't there. There was no gra- There was no, no internet game. No internet game. That's why it never happened. Nobody yeah. can mobilise. Conservatives, libertarians couldn't mobilise. The amount of people I know have just lost interest in voting because they just feel like they haven't got a voice again. And that debtor need to get their ass together and Jason Miller needs to sort that section out because I don't even know why it's not there anyway. Oh, no? it needs to be. I will make sure he sees your plea to him and um, find out if it's on the list and it definitely should be. Um, Paul, thank you so much for it's. It's been fascinating meeting you for the first time and hearing what you're involved in. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time thank today. Thank you for having me, Peter. Thank Not you for having all. me. Let me just finish off with our viewers and listeners before uh, we finish. To our viewers, uh, thank you so much for watching whatever platform you're using. If you're listening on Podbean and any podcasting apps, listening on the go, thank you for tuning in as it's a pre-record available on all the podcasting apps. Uh, thank you so much. All the links for Paul are in the description. And we look forward to seeing you for our next interview very soon. So thank you so much for watching, listening, and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.